0: whore drowned in her own vomit while watching me disembowel her girlfriend? I'm not sure if that counts as a valid kill. Do the pregnant ones count as two kills? It can get confusing.
1: Oh my. That gave me chills. That's Mm -hmm. disturbing.
0: This is Gerard Schaefer, a Florida serial killer. Ugh. I decided to pick a Florida serial killer because as part of the first two episodes, I we're both from florida so i picked a florida killer and we both live in texas now so next story will be a texas killer by yours truly becky and this is jen and this is too close to home
1: welcome. welcome this is our introductory introductory yeah podcast jennifer's gonna deliver our first one so we need lots of feedback from you guys what you think how we did and uh, and keep listening of course because we're only gonna get better
0: The best. We're not nervous at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not even a little bit. (laughs) We may or may not be drinking wine.
0: (laughs) So, this serial killer is not necessarily super known in Florida. You think about Florida, you think of Eileen Warno's, You think of Ted Bundy. You think of Otis Toole. You don't think of Gerard Schaefer. Mm -mm. But he's arguably one of the most disgusting killers out of Florida. So his story doesn't start there he was actually born in wisconsin he was born march 26 1946 and what made it so special was it was a shotgun wedding oh precious yes, we don't do that premarital thing baby <laughs> they were catholics of course so when they found out his mother was with child they decided to do the right thing and get married so he actually was born in wisconsin lived in a hotlanta for a little bit, and then he settled in Fort Lauderdale by 1960 just in time! <laughs> Could you imagine Florida in the 60s?
1: No. Might have been better. There wasn't as many Florida then.
0: Sunshine <laughs> Malls. <laughs> so, they weren't like the fun Catholics, which I don't know who they are, but I would imagine there might be some. I don't want to give all Catholics a bad name. But they were definitely the alcoholic and adulterous kind. That is the fun kind, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely nailed it. (laughs) His dad really hated him. Um, And he always said growing up that his dad preferred his sister to him. And he didn't know why, so he always tried to vie for his dad's attention. Well, one day he heard his parents arguing, and his dad was profusely beating his mother he was around 11 years old, and he heard his dad talking about how much of his mother was a whore. Apparently, he was the product of a supposed affair, and oh. he wasn't really his son. Oh. And so she apparently had this affair, passed off as she was pregnant by him. He did the right thing, and then he didn't realize that it wasn't his son until the next two kids were born, and they didn't look like him. So this isn't factual for sure. There's no DNA test, of course. There was not my... Mount Maury wasn't around yet. <laughs> you were not the father. Oh. Uh, but uh, he would sit there and call her like, you're a whore, you're a slut, you're too much of a coward to even admit it. You can't even admit to me that that's not my child. Mm. And instead of being like, this man is beating my mother and treating her like shit and He's an alcoholic and he's abusive. He doubles down and like treats his dad like the best thing ever, and starts setting in his view on women mm. that they're all whores. they're all sluts, and they're all going to take advantage of you unless you get the upper hand and take control over them first.
1: So this feels more of a nurture versus nature kind of thing. Yeah. He more so learned his behavior from watching the behavior growing up.
0: Exactly. He was like, you know what? That's for me, fam.
1: Yeah. I always like to see the difference, like, were you just born with these thoughts, or were they learned, and then you developed that hate from what you watched, and it looks like, so far, his was from watching it.
0: Oh, yeah. And so, like, he would do these weird-ass games where he'd pretend he was a girl, and then he would, after pretending he was a girl, he'd pretend he would die. Like, very morbid things. In school, he was a very lone wolf oddball and most teachers and students just gave him room like they're like "Mm, this was that time where like we're not going to be inclusive we're just ignore all that (laughs) (laughs) look at him eating paste over there oh my goodness (laughs) this is before PC (laughs) (laughs) right and he also thought he was much smarter than everyone else they always do they always do very Ted Bundy-ish in that way in fact Gerard Schaefer was a Ted Bundy super fan Of course. Yeah, of course. And he actually ended up being imprisoned with him for a time. And they were, quotations, buddies. (laughs) So one day at school, he had an outburst. And he, of course, went to Catholic school. And this outburst was about how Mary was a liar... And that there, there was Mary no Mary from the Bible. Yeah, okay. And that there's no such thing as immaculate conception, and that she was a whore, and she was a liar, and she was trying to pass it off.
1: So all he knows right now is that women have these babies and lie about who the father is.
0: Exactly, He's so pretty okay. much projecting, okay, as one does. <laughs> so after this revelation comes out about his true parentage, or what he thinks it is. He starts really developing weird issues. He starts experimenting with bondage. And we're talking at like 12 years old. And sadomasochism. Where he's hurting himself for pleasure. At 12? At 12. Yeah. Okay. So he said, in his early 20s, he went to a psychiatrist and he said, I tie myself up to a tree, he told Dr. Mordecai Harbor. And I get excited sexually and do something to hurt myself. And around the same time... He began to masturbate and fantasize about hurting other people, women in particular.
1: Mm. Normal, so,
0: real delightful. <laughs> God. So you heard of the McDonald Triad, right? Mm. The the three traits that kind of usually go along with serial killers: the setting fires, bedwetting, and, and killing animals. animals. He had one of those, which was hurting animals. Very violent. Uh, He also loved to be a peeping Tom, and he also loved to cross-dress. He loved to wear his sister's clothing and his mother's clothing, masturbate into it, and then put it back in there and get excited when he watched them wear it. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So, as we stated before, he was very not into Catholic religion, I guess, because Mary was a whore. But then he changed his mind, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to double down into Catholicism. And he started touring with the Moral Rearmament cult, which I had never heard of. So then I had to Google that, of course. (laughs) Good old goggle. And he, uh, it's like this weird version of, like, Christianity, and they do a lot of, like, revival-type stuff, but it's very cultish. And it's, I think, been disbanded since then, but um, he really loved that. Of course he would. (laughs) And then he decided, oh, you know what? I want to be a priest. Oh. Eventually, he was turned out, to, turned down to being a priest. Shocking. Surprise. surprise <laughs> because he didn't have enough faith. You guys couldn't tell that already, though?
1: He thought Mary was a whore. That's my first indication that priesthood is probably not the route for him to go.
0: Right? He <laughs> was so violent and he was already like you can imagine somebody's going after doing this all this at the same time he's doing violent shit like his dad is at the house beating the shit out of his mom he grabs his dad's golf club and goes behind him and he holds the golf club over his head and just sits there for a second and his dad pauses what he's doing because he could feel someone behind him and he brings that golf club down and beats like the brakes off of him of his dad? Yeah. Didn't kill him. Gave him like 30 stitches, but it just helped exacerbate things in the household, which, I mean, was already on fucking fire. Yeah. Around that same time that the, that revelation started, he started journaling and started diaries, which is the most 12 year old girl thing. <laughs> Would he journal why he wore his sister's shirt? <laughs> Today i Margaret. <laughs> So these journals would uh, go on until his arrest, but this is where it's kind of get sick and twisted. All these journals were like the literal blueprints to murders. The One thing he wanted
1: to commit, mm-hmm. like a manifesto almost.
0: Yeah, like the detailed plans. He would do sketches. I want to do this. I want to do that. All his anger, all these dark thoughts. I'm just gonna write that down. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> Dear Diary. <laughs> Johnny said my dress wasn't pretty enough. <laughs> I'm gonna burn his house down.
1: Oh shit, he really worked that? No.
0: <laughs> but I imagine it'd be something like that. No, but he was into hurting women, and a lot of his stuff was the same thing over and over again. When he was a kid, he would bind himself up, right? Hang himself, do some of that auto-erotic stuff. He did the same thing with women. He would hang them up, and would torture them, cutting off her Bringing Get it, it back. back. So cutting off. Kind of like how BTK did. hmm And then he would play psychological mind games with them, uh, then rape them violently, and then murder them. And many of the things in these diaries throughout this time were dead on to murders that he had actually committed. And there's plenty of them in there that they don't have bodies or know about. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes you go, how many? Right. You know? So, um... These detailed all the cruel, cold details and the drawings of his overall plans for murder. Graphic details such as what happens after death. He was very into the body and what its functions are, specifically bowel movements. He would literally, and I don't know if this is factual or not, he's like, Some women can void up to two pounds after death.
1: Like defecate? Like mm-hmm. poo poo out two pounds? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Little poo-poo. laughs> two pounds old, Dookie. <laughs> and was he measuring it? I mean, was That's he weighing was like, it on you, a scale? Did you bring out your like Weight Watchers so, like, scale? You put <laughs> your ass <laughs> in the
1: scale at Walmart to see how much they weigh. You just I put a bag of shit in there. He was like, "Oh, it's two pounds of crap." <laughs> That's a weird thing to be obsessed about after death. I understand the curiosity with death and what happens after. I think we all have that to a degree. But I'm never fixated too much on the what happens to my bowels after I die. It's more so what happens was, to my soul.
0: Yeah. Well, I know it wasn't happening to mine. <laughs> but his was, like, not even, like, we're, we're doing it. When we want to know about these things, it's, like, a, on a scientific way, I guess, and a curiosity, more of a curiosity. His was in a fetish, and now I am not into kink shaming. No. No. But if your kink is plastic diapers on dead women... You should make some re-evaluations about your life. Uh, He put diapers on him? Yeah, apparently. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was part of the weighing process. Clutch my pearls. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. Oh, oh my. Good golly. (laughs) (laughs) So, instead of the priesthood, since that didn't pan out. Can I just
1: say real quick, Uh how terrifying would it be to already be kidnapped all right, you're taken somewhere and you're being tortured and then the motherfucker pulls out some depends and sticks on you <laughs> like i would be like what is going on
0: <laughs> it's almost bad like if you were like you wake up in a hotel room and your stomach hurts and you look over and there's ice and a bathtub and blood everywhere right like, yeah, like oh yeah. shit what happened
1: man <laughs> right? that just brings the terrifyingness even higher because then you know that, like, you're with somebody who is, not that you didn't realize it already, completely irrational, but, you know, I think you would, as a victim, you would cling to the hope that maybe you're going to get out of this, maybe, you're, but once a motherfucker straps the pins on you, <laughs> it's pretty much a wrap. That's it. You
0: know, things are not looking good for you. Out no, but, Oh like, shit, he's already ready for the post mortem.
1: <laughs> he's ready to catch my dookie and weigh
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a man like him before. He definitely weighs dookie. <laughs> But you, like, think about, like, how terrifying that'd be because, like, he has Depends, which means he thought this out.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, And not to make light of the victims because it is very sad. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the only way you survive talking about this stuff is to have that dark sense of humor.
0: So, it's no disrespect to the victims. No, no, none at all. But, uh, after we say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to clarify. (laughs) FYI,
0: very pro-victim. Oh, yes. Very (laughs) pro-victim. So... Instead of the priesthood, he went on to college, and his next goal was a teaching job. Oh. So, he wanted to instill American values like honesty, purity... Stop. Unselfishness, and love. Stop. L-O-V-E, baby. I need to go throw up real quick. <laughs> Pause. Gay. <laughs> <Get. laughs> he was hired on at Plantation High School, and this went as well as you would expect. He was fired for... And this is a, quote, totally inappropriate behavior. Shocking. (laughs) Was it, like, what, how many pearls were clutched that they couldn't even (laughs) specify? Total, it's totally inappropriate.
1: (laughs) You know if Karen in the office threw totally in there, it was bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Many of them described him as creepy and weird. And his supervisor, Richard Goodhart recalls I told him when he left that he better never let me hear of him trying to get a job with any authority over other people or I'd do anything I could to prevent it. Good job Dick. Good job. So the next thing he is, he does is he gets married to a Martha Fogg in 1968 and that was around the time of this school stuff so of course she dumped him and he decided to a uh, little uh, get his groove back like guess got its group back and okay. he went to, to Europe and Africa. They, Where does he have the money to do this? I know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'd be like... Okay, how many times have you seen, like, a movie from that time period, like, in the 60s and 70s and people were just, like, backpacking, like, motherfuckers all over the place? Like, how?
1: How? I do not ever seen any of y'all washing them dishes. Let me in on your side hustle.
0: <laughs> like, come on. What are you... What are you doing on this side? Right? Hmm? Okay, there wasn't no OnlyFans at that time, baby. <laughs> 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 so uh they don't know what exactly he did over there they do think and he has claimed that he's killed people over there but of course we don't have anything to substantiate that when he came back though he already had his sights set on a new job you want to guess what that one is let's see priest teacher nurse no uh-huh Police officer. Ah, there we go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That's what happened. So he applied to several departments and he was rejected.
1: Aww.
0: The Broward County Sheriff's Office also rejected him after failing a psychological test. Shocking. And this, this department ended up, uh, I think they were the ones who arrested him. The Wilton Manors Police Department hired him though. You know why? Because nobody did a background check, nobody submitted a psychological examination. Or evaluation.
1: You know, ask for the time, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even then, like, you couldn't even call, like...
1: <laughs> Got a right phone.
0: <laughs> so, they hired him on, and he worked there for a couple of years, and in 1972, he had a commendation for a drug bust. And then he was fired a month later. And the reason he was fired was he was running... Female offenders' information, like traffic ticket information, uh, going they to mean. these women's house or calling them and asking them for dates. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was asking them for dates. Charming. At this time, Florida began experiencing missing women, specifically a pattern in Broward and Martin County, exactly where his sheriff's office was mm-hmm. and the police department and where he lived. And because of all the communication that was not there between departments. Nobody yeah. noticed this pattern, and of course, back in those days, women just ran away. Oh those yeah, not ones that you ran after. Yeah,
1: nobody cared. They were the lesser. Everything was just chalked up to a runaway. They don't mm-hmm. want to be found.
0: Exactly. So the following June, he moves on down to Stuart, Florida, and signs a uh, contract with Martin County SO. But this was only a month before everything starts falling apart. So let's rewind just a little bit. October 2nd, 1966, his first two murders allegedly happened. Their names were Nancy Leichner, she was 21, and Pamela and Nader, 20. However, some sources say it might have happened earlier, maybe even 1963, but no telling. He settled in Florida in 1960, so it's conflicting thinking of the time period. It's not like everybody had Facebook. I almost said MySpace.
1: Ooh. Well, they didn't have MySpace either. They <laughs> didn't have live journal or nothing. How
0: are we supposed to... Mark Zuckerberg wasn't even looking for girlfriends. Yeah.
1: In case you're wondering how Jennifer is, just know she's from the MySpace there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I told you, he had went overseas. Um, he had claimed up to 140 victims. He claimed that he had stalked three continents and over 24 nations.
1: Okay. Cool story, bro. Weird flex.
0: That's like when you say, like, I have a big schlong. <laughs> Do you though, bro? Do you though? Know? <laughs> <laughs> you say that, then it's probably not true.
1: I almost believed you, and then you went too far.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> it was right there. And then I was like, you know. So, on July 21st, 1972, he picked up two hitchhikers, 18-year-old Pamela Wells and 19-year-old Nancy Ellen Trotter. Trotter. A globetrotter on the highway near a local beach. He told them because he was in a sheriff's vehicle, of course, in uniform, that hitchhiking was illegal in that county, which was not true. And he said, Of course, I will take you back to wherever you're staying. Takes them to their little halfway house. And he said, Well, tomorrow I'm off work if you want to, so you wouldn't be hitchhiking, I'll come pick y'all up and take you to the beach. And they were like, Of course
1: think I might remember hearing about this guy. Carry on. This sounds
0: very familiar. Next day, he gets him, and of course he doesn't take him to the beach. He takes him to swampy Hutchison Island off of State Road A1A. Then he starts making sexual remarks, and then he drew a gun and told the girls he planned to sell them as white slaves in a foreign prostitution syndicate. Forcing them out of the car, he bound both girls and left them balanced on tree roots with nooses around their neck, so if they slipped, they would hang. This was like a very common cycle for him he would put them on the these roots and that tree is actually called i think like the devil's tree in florida it's got some history about it people will go and see it i'll have to look it up i should have done that before this podcast (laughs) good job jen my bad (laughs) (laughs) i was more interested in the murder okay (laughs) so i'm in the facts okay jack
1: (laughs) i'll save that one for spooky story time
0: yeah spooky spaghettis (laughs) so he would you know put these women on there and then he would like say things like you have to convince me not to kill you like why should she die instead of you why do this and then he would hang them and do just mind games fucking with these girls and often it would be in pairs two young girls in pairs doing these things so he had forgot something in his car and he told them to stay there and he left them well the girls were not going to wait obviously, and they were able to get out of the nooses and run away. They flagged down a passing police car. Oh, Jesus. Of course! He did the even villain thing, of course, knowing every... put all his information out there. You know, like, when you watch a scary movie and the even villain's like, and these were all my plans! Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> so, after he went back and discovered his their escape, he decided he was going to call his boss, because the boss was the sheriff. And he goes... Oh, I've done something foolish. You're going to be mad at me. <laughs> and he stated that he had overdone his job, trying to scare the girls out of hitchhiking in the future for their own good. I do remember hearing this story. <laughs> yeah. Because so he had a whole wife at home, and right? Yeah, he was married, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And so they fired him on the spot, charged him with false imprisonment and two counts of aggravated assault, and he was released on a $15,000 bond. pot, and he's released after abducting two girls. Oh, yeah. At the trial in 1972, he pled guilty to one assault charge, and the other counts were dropped. The judge called him a thoughtless fool and sentenced him to a year in county jail. Of course. Just one. And then three years of probation. And so, he began serving his sentence in 1973 on January 15th. But, the judge said, since you're going to be sitting a year in jail, let's let you get all your affairs together. What? Like, he's a white-collar criminal. hmm Like, this is a financial crime. Right. Get all your shit together. And what does he do? He goes out and kills again. During that time? During that time. So, while he was free on pending trial, September 27th, 1972, 17-year-old Susan Place and 16-year-old Georgia Jessup had vanished from Fort Lauderdale. This is what gets me. Susan's parents said the girls were last seen at her house playing with an older man named Jerry Shepard on their way to play guitar at the beach. How much acid did you do in the 60s? <laughs> How much? Oh, you one down there with my baby Y'all have fun. Well, you know. It's going to go down there with an old man, play guitar down at the beach.
1: 60s were a different time. Oh, People were more trusting.
0: But, you know, the good thing is the mother, Lucille Place, she noted his license plate. This is the redeeming thing. In that he had a blue-green Dotson. So, it was 1973 in March before the investigators decided to finally trace that plate. Because the girls obviously had been missing and nobody could find them. He was already in jail for assaulting the previous girls. And uh, denied any place with any contact with Place and Jessup. But the case started unraveling on April 1st, 1973, when the skeletal remains were found in Hutchison Island by three men collecting aluminum cans, the most Florida thing I've ever heard. (laughs) no right four days later the victims were identified from dental records susan place had been shot in the jaw and the detectives remarked that the evidence from the crime scene indicated the girls were tied to a tree and butchered recall how nancy and pamela were strung up could you imagine after surviving that hearing that two girls didn't survive that right afterwards not to mention this was one mile from the kidnapping place the incident where all the kidnapping occurred.
1: You gotta have like some survivor's guilt, you know. Yeah, and you like, know exactly what they went through before they were killed and that could have been you.
0: It could have been you. Even though those girls were not at fault. Obviously it was a judicial right. system. But for the rest of these women's lives, I could not imagine yeah. Having to carry that burden. After that, on April seventh, they decided to search the home of Shaper's mother where he had personal items stored in a spare room. And they recovered, in search of all that stuff, a stash of women's jewelry, 100-plus pages of writing and sketches depicted mutilation and murders of young women, newspaper clippings of two women missing since 1969, the pieces of IDs belonging to vanished hitchhikers Colette Goodenough and Barbara Wilcox, both 19 at the time of their disappearance. Those two girls had last been seen alive on January 8th, a week before Shaver was sent to jail in Martin County. Mm. While their skeletal remains were found in early 1977, no cause of death could be determined, so no charges were filed on those. As for the news clips, one referred to the February 1969 disappearance of waitress Carmen Halleck, seemingly abducted from her home. Items of her jewelry were found in Schaefer's hoard, along with a gold-filled tooth identified by her dentist. Mm. No charges. None. Her fucking tooth. No charges. (laughs) Can you tell me that circumstantial? No, sir, it is not. <laughs> I just can't, like. So the second missing woman, Le Bonadies, had been a neighbor of Schaefer's when she disappeared in September 1969. He complained that she had been taunting him. Taunting him. Uh huh. By undressing with her curtains open, and a piece of her jewelry was found among her belongings. But again, no charges were filed, and her fi- her remains were finally recovered in 1978. Jesus.
1: Do any of these girls, they know any of their cause of death or no? because it was so long after they died that they found their bones they couldn't determine?
0: Too long. Too long. Especially with the form of it. Like, there is a bone in the neck the that does bone. break from strangulation, but I don't know if that was a factor or whatever, but I think a lot of those they just couldn't determine and I think it's some of it's just pure laziness. Yeah. Like, oh, we already got them on one. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You have to bring those that justice to those other families, too. Right. Um, more jewelry linked Schaefer to the disappearance of 14-year-old Mary Briscolina, who vanished from Broward County with 13-year-old Elise Farmer in October of 1972. Their skeletons were found in early 1973. No cause of death determined. No charges filed. He does like to take them in pairs. Yeah. Two girls, young, in pairs. Over and over again the list of victims has grown and they soon stated that he was linked to around 30 missing women and girls
1: that's terrifying
0: it's going to get better don't, don't worry it's going to get better <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better but it gets, better. It gets better he was indicted May 18, 1973 for the slaying of Jessup Place he was held without bond pending trial thank you finally somebody has some sense about him <laughs> oh he might do something you think? <laughs> so after uh, he was convicted on two counts of first-degree murder in October 73, he drew two concurrent terms of life imprisonment, so he would never be able to leave jail. Thank God. Or, you know, it was a long amount of time, so they weren't sure if he would be able to leave jail. He had numerous appeals, 20 in all. All of them were denied. Then a long period happened where nobody... He just rotted in jail. And then an old girlfriend named Sandra London <laughs> decided she needed to contact him and write a book. And the book is called Killer Fiction. And he states that all those journals and stuff like that are fiction. He's just a talented writer. Even though. Um, oh, so he's
1: saying they were. That everything he said was just made up. Exactly. He's just making up a story.
0: Yeah. But this is the funny thing. He was a police officer, right? And he had this same M.O. for everything. His stories typically involved savage, graphic torture, and murder of women, usually from the perspective of the killer who was often a rogue police officer. (laughs) It's just creative writing. It's just creative writing. Gosh, have you ever taken English? God. (laughs) It's crushing my dreams. This is funny because, like, she writes this book with him as a ghostwriter or whatever, and he starts saying, I'm going to sue the pants off the anybody who labels me as a serial killer. Uh, cool story, bro. Schaefer wrote that he began murdering women in 1965, so publicly at the time, he was proclaiming his innocence. This is all great writing, and... So
1: first, he's this notorious killer with, like, 24 nations and three countries and 140 bodies. But that's all his stories. But now it's like... I, guys, come on, I was just joking.
0: This was all this was all just I didn't do believe. anything. Don't you like come on. Okay. Don't be don't be so shallow. Just making sure I've been keeping up so Meanwhile, far. Meanwhile, he's writing these letters to Sandra London taking credit for these things. You know, he wrote to her that he began murdering women in 1965 when he was 19. He boasted of killing and cannibalizing two schoolgirls. Oh um 9-year-old Peggy Ron and 8-year-old Wendy Stevenson who vanished in December 1969. And since then, of course, He's denied an involvement in those. So she ended her collaboration with Shaper because, of course, she did not agree with his I'm a framed ex-cop motif that had kind of going on there. And she eventually released a revised edition of Killer Fiction after his death. Oh, So so he's dead? Yeah, he's dead now. I would say RIP, but it's not.
1: No, not even a little bit.
0: Um, his death, that included stories, rambling articles from the first two books, and a collection of letters to London in which Schaefer confessed to killing 34 women and girls, and bragged that he impressed fellow inmate Ted Bundy. Oh, cute. Wait? Right. Okay. <laughs> you guys, guess who I just impressed? The Ted Bundy. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> of course, he started filing lawsuits. Left and right. He sued true crime writer Patrick Kendrick, and this is the most scathing review I've ever seen. Uh, he described him as an overweight, doughy, middle aged man who preyed on victims who were psychologically and physiologically weaker than him. <laughs> he also sued authors Sandra London, Colin Wilson, and Michael Newton, and former FBI agents Robert Ressler for describing him as a serial killer, because he's not.
1: And I'm guessing he did not win those lawsuits. Oh,
0: this is where it gets good. Because she came with the receipts, baby. All those letters he wrote, she took them and submitted them in her lawsuit. Judge saw him. This is frivolous. Threw it out. She takes it to the other people and says, here you go, buddy. You need that for your lawsuit? All that shit gets dismissed. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is where the story comes to an end. You Ready? (laughs) This is the best part. It's definitely not long enough. This is where he meets his gruesome end. In December 3rd, 1995, another inmate barged into a cell, slashed his throat, and then stabbed him in both his eyes. Oh, my. I am clutching my pearls <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> now, there are two stories as to why. One of them being that in, the one that the prison and the prison officials announced. Which is that fellow inmate Vincent Rivera killed Schaefer in an argument over a cup of coffee. As people do. They actually do. Don't fuck with my coffee, okay? Yeah. The other reason, and this one is from Sandra London, she believes Schaefer was likely killed for reforming on other inmates. Schaefer made multiple statements to London in the effect that he used his status as a death row law clerk to get confidential information from inmates. In order to curry favor with the authorities, Schaefer then gave that information to the prosecutor's office and then it was used against those inmates in trial and then the year before Schaefer's death inmates had repeatedly threw human waste at him and his cell was set on fire no less than twice. (laughs) Good. Nobody was a fan. I hope they threw shit on him every day. His classification officer told Schaefer and told London that Schaefer was killed after he leaked information to authorities about an inmate who was well respected behind bars.
1: So he told on someone who was what, what well respected, mm-hmm. which means he was what, in prison terms in Florida, we call a straw boss. Exactly. A straw boss runs the field, runs the yard, runs the pound, the compound. And that is the last person that you stitch on because it will be the end for you if you do.
0: As seen. As seen. <laughs> Rivera, who was not convicted until 1999, he died in 95. Rivera wasn't convicted until 99. Wait, what? Yeah. How does that work? So this is because, and and many people think this, there was a death row inmate called Frank Valdez who was murdered by correctional guards in 1999. He, like, they went in and they used nightsticks and beat him to death. And Rivera was the inmate next door. And he would not change a story. He would not go with the story. So they... That happened in 1999, so what did they do? Well, since you don't want to agree with this, you're on the hook for this murder from my years ago. <laughs> like,
1: I don't bro. mean to laugh, but yes, <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. But, like,
0: Rivera's, like, already under the roll, Like, what does he get? <laughs> right? This is a Tuesday, bro. Put me in the fast lane.
1: <laughs> what are you going to do? Make me stay here again
0: for life? So, at that time, Broward County homicide detective John King and homicide... Chief Tim Bronson were prepared to bring charges against Schaefer for three more unsolved murders to ensure he would never get out of prison. Whether he died or not, they were working, finally, to do some justice for these victims. And that's the end of Gerard Schaefer. So, like, next week... Next, next week. Next podcast, uh, we're going to talk about a Texas killer. Yes. No, we're not going to tell you what it is yet, but it's going to be good in
1: Houston, Texas. H-Town, baby. h <laughs> H-Town. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's what everybody says. I don't really slang that wordage because I'm not from here. But. You don't
0: like slang that wordage. <laughs> you don't slang any wordage. That was mid of you. Captain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're trying to be young here, guys.
0: You're Which, Jennifer, cold. you did a
1: great job on our first podcast. Oh, thank
0: you. I enjoyed it's it. I, I'm really looking forward to the next one. So,
1: Okay, guys. Mm-hmm. Until we see you next time, stay safe.
0: Keep your head on the swivel.
1: And don't bring it too close to home.
0: Me! Perfect <laughs> <laughs> If you like listening to us, you can find us on Facebook at Too close Pod or under the Instagram handle, Too Close Podcast. Also, if you have any stories of your own Too Close to Home experiences, shoot us an email at too to home at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.